0: Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator.
1: And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from our motorhome studio located Ooh, this month portable studio. in Titusville, Florida. And if you are feeling some echoes, we have done our best <laughs> to remove them, but perhaps they are a function of our spacious new motorhome with oh, four yes. slide outs and all the living space that we have to in reverberate very hard surface, in. in
0: very hard surfaces. Um, we should probably mention that we've had a lot of comments about the New Year's Eve show and maybe. I had a little bit too much champagne. Maybe. (laughs) But that's New Year's Eve, and we are now here on a very sunny day, very happy to be in Florida.
1: We um, are always feeling lucky with the retired (laughs) lifestyle that we lead, but at the moment we are feeling extra lucky that we headed toward Florida, which seems to have been the best Warm weather choice yeah, thus that, far this winter. Tucson doesn't in,
0: seem to be that good
1: In the United year. States. And the Rio Grande Valley, which is another favorite spot of ours. Has
0: Although we were going to go play tennis this morning, but due to the very cold temperatures. Below 50. Well, <laughs> well, it was almost below 40. So, But we have been using the heat. And we have enjoyed, by the way, the Oasis heat at the campground that we're staying in doesn't charge us for electricity. So we can heat ourselves without the heat pumps. And with the heat pumps, I've always had a question because... If it goes below 40, I've always uh, felt that you should turn on the standard heat, because heat pumps uh, lose efficiency below 40, so they don't give off much heat, whereas the Oasis just keeps on pumping out the heat, regardless of the outdoor temperature. And when we don't burn diesel in the Oasis, we can run it on the electricity. So that's a very nice option, plus the very nice uh, the registers, each one individually controlled. We like the Oasis. It's fairly quiet, although not as quiet as a Could be, but much quieter than the propane furnaces on most motorhomes and most coaches.
1: And I feel compelled to add that we really are not taxing it here, being in (laughs) Central Florida. Well, we never
0: really tax (laughs) it.
1: Um, we have to laugh when we watch weather forecasts here every day. The forecasters spend about three-fourths of the of the time on air talking about what's going on somewhere north where it's really miserable. Right now, uh, the nor- nor'easter has just been going through Boston, and they have been getting a lot of snow and cold and having a bad Inches time- and feet of snow having a bad time of it, and here they spend about two seconds saying, (laughs) well, it'll be a little cooler tomorrow, (laughs) and there's a 20% chance of rain. (laughs) That's about it.
0: 20%? Oh, no, that's terrible. It might actually rain here. But But nevertheless,
1: I have felt very warm and cozy in the new motorhome with the Oasis heat. Um, We have numerous things that we can do to make ourselves warm, including our heated bed pad that i think we talked about uh-huh. about a year ago and i haven't had to turn it on since we left home i can just hear our listeners now how sad
0: they are for <laughs> us that are the plight of our situation here we are in
1: cold cold florida <laughs> not just all suffering not <laughs> here. <Not at laughs> well all. then you want to talk about all the heat and stuff no the things that i haven't had to use uh-huh because the Oasis heat is good. That's what you said. All right, So right. I'm, ju- I'm just agreeing with you. Get used to it. Okay. Oh, shocker. So we
0: uh, arrived, as you know, uh, in... Right around uh, the first of the year, and now it's February first, and so we've done a lot this month that I think will be of interest to our listeners. Our first big adventure after staying in Fort Pierce for a couple of weeks, which we didn't do much except recover from the cold
1: and wax the rig. (sighs) That took a while,
0: but it does look nice now. It does, and it has uh, no no scrapes from the trees, which the other one had. So, well,
1: not yet anyway. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Didn't get any new ones anyway. And, of course, it has been performing very well for our entire trip so far. So we went to the Tampa Super Show, which, of course, we have been to several times. But as RV developments happen, we like to see what's going on in the RV world. The Tampa Super Show is a place to go which has a lot of appeal. If you are buying or if you're just a current owner and looking for new
1: cool stuff, I would say, even though the Hershey RV show says it's the biggest in the nation, that the Tampa Super Show felt much bigger to me. But I would also have to say, as someone who wasn't in the market for a new rig and was only looking at them out of general interest, that the RV show that we attended in Quartzsite was stronger in terms of vendors. So depending on what your issues are when you go to one of these shows, certainly when we were still living in Chicago and working full-time, I would go to the RV show in Chicago just because it gave me hope that someday the winter would go away. But if you're free to move around the country as we are, they all have a different personality. I guess that's what I'm saying. Uh And the Super Show is
0: uh, a nice place because it's easy to camp there and they have uh, lots of space and you're right on the grounds and so you can really take full advantage of uh, the show. I have a little blurb here. Organizers could not be more pleased with the results of the 2015 Tampa RV show after the previous record attendance was shattered. More than 63,200 people walked through the gate this year, which is 11% higher than the record 56,953 set at the 2014 show. There were about 1,250 units on display, along with more than 200 exhibitor booths scattered throughout the showground. Another 800 RVs were parked on the rally grounds, including us, and 150 150- were parked in the official campground at the Florida State Fairgrounds.
1: I would say if you're pressed on time and you wanted to do a good job of the show, you would need at least two days. Yes, so I would camping think so. at the Super Show was a wonderful way to see it, and we were there for five days, so right. we didn't kill ourselves seeing everything all at once. And we had friends who tried to come last right. minute with so their motorhome, and they were not allowed in because so it was full. So we
0: were among the 800 that were parked in a field and. Uh, I had generator power from this large generator that was powering multiple RVs.
1: And good garbage service. That, <laughs> good garbage those service. Those were the amenities provided.
0: And we were a little worried because it was, uh, we park on grass, and ooh, that always makes me nervous. And there were lots of RVs our size there, so we went onto the grass and it rained, but then towards the end of the week it got nice and sunny and dried out, and so we had no trouble leaving. And actually nobody got stuck that I saw, so the mud had uh, subsided even though there were some pretty big ruts as we drove in.
1: And I would also give kudos to the parking Uh crew. We've been to a number of these shows over the years, and sometimes you can wait an ungodly amount of time for them to figure out where they're going to put you. But the people who I think were all volunteers um, had a plan and knew where each site was located in the grass so that we would all end up near an electric outlet once the lines were put down. And uh, they moved us in quickly and expeditiously. They were very well organized, and I appreciate it.
0: And, of course, having 1,250 rigs to walk through, (laughs) new ones, is uh, very impressive. And if you're shopping for virtually anything from the smallest travel trailer through class b's all the way up through the the prevos uh, they're all there for you to look at and make comparisons to and they had multiples of each brand so that you could look at virtually all the floor plans that numar had for instance and many of the other ones too so it's it's really a nice show to go to uh, the admission is included in the parking so we paid a one flat fee. Uh, I think it was one hundred ninety nine dollars, which is kind of a lot for four nights. I mean, that's fifty bucks a night, but that includes thirty amp electric, and it includes your admission and entertainment at night and coffee in the morning and some other perks too. And There
1: were little entertainment people running around right. on the ground. Yeah, during but that's the day. for everybody. This yeah. was
0: especially for the eight hundred. Our RVers that were camped, camped there.
1: And it was a nice mix of geezers like us and young families and a nice mix of very small rigs, rigs yeah. to um, yeah. gigantonormous ones. And everything in between. You know, one of the biggest questions
0: I think we get <laughs> as we uh, moving to a 43-footer, which is a monster of a machine. There's no question about that. But a lot of people say, eh, I think I'm going to go and, and look at a 37-foot or a 35, you know, much smaller. But when you really look at it, in terms of where you can go camp, they say, oh, we want to camp in the national parks and blah, blah, blah about the small campgrounds. But if you're looking at the difference between a 43 and a 35 or a 37, there's no difference in where you can go camping. Now, if you go down to a 25-foot or a 20-foot, then you're going to get to go to some campgrounds that you wouldn't otherwise get to.
1: In the National Forest. In the National
0: Forest and places like that. But if you're going to stick with something large... The the difference between the two is negligible in terms, in terms of where you're going to camp, but the interior spaces is, is a major difference. And we looked at the 37s, and boy, there are some big compromises that you make in terms of storage and what you're going to be able to bring with you. And as I mentioned several times, that moving from a 40 to a 43, which we have now, I can tell no difference in the driving in, in terms of where I can drive and turns I make and, and stuff like that. So I don't see, <laughs> uh, the, people say I'm going to downsize by getting a 35, and I just don't think that downsizing to a 35 is really downsizing or a 37.
1: It's, what about gas or diesel mileage?
0: I don't think there's a lot of difference. I mean, I actually, as we've pointed out, this coach gets better gas but mileage. But that's because it's real. newer and it's yeah, yeah. modern Yes, but still, I, I don't know what a 35 gets, but it's certainly as a, as a type of motorhome, they're much cheaper. So a thirty-seven, you know, if you have to, if you're budget conscious, then you might want to look at a thirty-seven. But that would be the only reason. I, I wouldn't look at a thirty-seven because it's smaller.
1: In terms, in terms, of, terms, where of, in terms of where you That's can really camp. That's really the way you what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. I was surprised when we wandered around in the larger rigs that I could yeah. almost tell how big they were without looking at really? the sign on the door because there were certain features that the big ones had that uh-huh. the small ones did not um, in particular um, a pantry in the kitchen, how much counter space uh-huh. there was uh-huh. for cooking, uh, whether you had enough closet space for clothing whether it included a washer, or dryer unit of some kind um, clearly when you have a smaller rig you can't have those things and that's. So something that you have to weigh in terms of what's and important And this is getting to,
0: to be more and more common in the fifth wheels. So the island kitchen and the washer-dryer and what's really coming along is the residential fridge in a fifth wheel.
1: And some of them even had uh, residential stove-oven <gasps> combinations like I have at home. Which, which we don't which, have. Which I was surprised to see. Uh, it takes up a lot of space and weight and wouldn't be worth it to me, uh-huh. although I would certainly like a better oven for baking, and that than, was the big advantage have- to
0: the stove because the burners are about the same. But the the big regular regulation you oven could
1: do decent cooking and baking in in that oven. So
0: is that why we have problems with cooking?
1: We have no problems with cooking. We just can't offer the complete array of menu oh. options that we can at home. That would be the best way to say it. I see, and of course, when we saw, um, these so I have to get a
0: full-size stove now.
1: Oh no, no, no! This is you don't th- miss this. <laughs> well, I think I cook more variety and more nutritiously, less with prepared oven? stuff uh, with with the things that I have at home. And I cook I cook overall better at home than you, I do. And in you the don't motor like
0: home. your convection oven here?
1: Well, it's okay as a microwave. It doesn't heat up. We one of our things that we have regularly. It's pizza, and I can't get the oven hot enough to make the crust nice and crispy like I can at home. So, of course, when we saw these residential fridges in the fifth wheels, we were a little bit surprised because we have eight Honking big batteries in our motorhome that Ken tells me are a lot of work to keep and topped off. And probably will need and,
0: to be replaced.
1: Uh, and check the fluid levels. And, and keep them fully operational. And so he asked the salesman in the first fifth wheel we went into with a fridge, how many batteries does this fifth wheel have? And he said, Two. Two. And then the next question was, how long can you boondock oh, um, this gets with me. this fifth wheel not this. plugging in, just running off the batteries with this residential fridge? And his answer was, was. <laughs> five weeks. <laughs> yes. And we almost had this a system on the and couch. And this guy,
0: oh, I feel a rant coming on. A little, oh. The, we, we talked to four salespeople in fifth wheels. One of them was a factory rep and we asked them because we have a residential fridge i was just kind of testing them
1: and as you know we've been worried about all the electricity demands that this coach
0: has what a nice refrigerator this is how do you run it and the guy says oh well we have a thousand watt inverter and two batteries and i said how long does it last oh five weeks on a set of on the batteries five weeks now that of course is totally ridiculous even what us with eight batteries would not last for five weeks but uh he and i argued with him and i don't think he was really convinced that i wasn't telling him the truth which is hard to believe so we went on another salesman another trailer another brand and this guy says well it'll last for a week and a half And I said, how did you come up with that sort of ballpark figure? And he says, well, it uses four amps, and we have 200 amps of battery power. So if you divide that out, it comes out to about a week and a half. And I said, really? And I said, you're equating DC amps with AC amps? And he said, oh, yes. But he didn't realize that it takes 10 DC amps to produce one AC amp. So that if it uses 4 amps, which was the number he was using, it's going to take you 40 amps of DC power. Batteries. So if you, Battery power. So if you have 4 amps and you divide it into 200, you're going to get about um, 4 or 5 hours. If it's running full time, and of course all of them said well you should you should cool it down while it's plugged in at home, blah 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 blah." and then we finally met a guy who said, "Oh, it'll last while you're traveling, so you you' the trip while you're in in route, and that is probably fairly accurate, but I don't know that that's that would make me very nervous because most of these rigs did not have any other way to charge the batteries besides either attaching it to the tow vehicle or plugging it in.
1: And as I listened to you interrogate these unfortunate <laughs> salesmen... I, well, they're I, just totally war wrong. It made me think about all the rants and raves I've seen on blogs and other RV discussion boards that people feel so horribly misled by their RV salesmen. Salesman, yeah. And when I used to read these, I used to think, oh, this is like buying a used car. These guys are all shysters. But some of them, I watched their faces as they talked to you and they seemed so earnest what? and uninformed. The guys said a month and a half was just totally convinced that he was right and we've come to understand that many folks who sell rvs do not rv themselves and no really do not know much about the lifestyle
0: no i agree there are so many salesmen that that just obviously are selling something and they they feel like they could sell anything and they just happen to be selling RVs, which is a problem because RVers depend on knowledge. And a lot of RVers are novices themselves and they depend on the salesman for information. We were very impressed. We met uh, Greg Gerber, who is the editor of the RV Daily Report, uh, a great newsletter that you should be getting free. And they email you the latest stories in the RV world every day. And he, what has been part of the RV industry for a number of years, but only recently started RVing. And in our conversation with him, he said, uh, "You know, I've gotten a whole new perspective on the RVing community now that I am an RVer." And he was staying at the show in his RV, and now has traveled all over the country in uh, his RV. And you just find out all sorts of things that you need to know, and it, advice that you can give people just by living in an RV, which is, of course what we're doing <laughs>
1: And it kind of makes us feel sad when we see uh, full-timers in particular who think of themselves as RV experts, because they are in an RV all the time, that get asked the question by newbies, well, what should I buy? And inevitably, the answer is that you should buy what I bought, because that's what you have experience with, and that's what you know. I don't want to toot our own horns, but we're old, and over the years, we've (laughs) camped in a tent, we've done a conversion van, we've done a trailer, we've had a fifth wheel, we've had now our second motorhome and we know from our experience good and bad points in our experience for why you would want to buy one or another of these obviously it's still a personal experience that everybody has to figure out for themselves but i guess i'm saying if you're buying an rv and you never have before really work hard on doing as much research as you can. Don't rely on the salesman. Don't rely on somebody you know who has only camped in one kind of rig because their information base is pretty limited.
0: Very limited. It's really hard if you're uh, somebody who's going off and starting RVing for the first time and you're going to be selling your house and jumping into the rig. We've known a number of people who've done this and many of them have actually gone and bought a second rig because they made a mistake on the first one and that that costs you money um and it costs you a a lot of aggravation so be very careful when you buy and be very careful as to where you get your advice and be sure to get as wide a range of sources as possible And to that end, we met a lot of our listeners there who were gathering information.
1: It was so much fun (laughs) to meet you all. Um, Yes, it was. It's always slightly disconcerting to run into someone who knows so much about us when we don't know you at all. especially when
0: we're we're not expecting it. We feel that we go through the show and we're fairly anonymous, but we're not anonymous. Here we are in a rig, just conversing among, among 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 ourselves
1: discussing the plan, and this couple comes in the door and listens to us for maybe 10 seconds and says are you Ken and Martha? And we dropped our jaws because it wasn't that they knew our faces but no. they certainly recognized our voices. And if
0: we had been talking among ourselves they would never have they recognized. They would have passed
1: on by. And then while we were talking to them another couple came in and said exactly the same thing. And so we kind of took over that rig and had a nice
0: a conversation among the six of us. I don't have a distinct voice? Apparently so.
1: Or apparently the two of us together.
0: Really? I'm surprised. I would never recognize my voice.
1: Well, and while we were at the show, we ran into John and Kathy Huggins, who do an RV podcast as well. And certainly, we knew their voices. Yeah, I wouldn't have recognized we wouldn't have them, known them by, by their appearance. But as
0: soon as they talked, so I yeah. guess that's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as they opened their mouths, I recognized them, even though I was kind of expecting to see them.
1: And I want to thank all of you who yes. encountered us or made arrangements to meet with us. It certainly keeps me motivated to keep doing this, and makes the fact that there really, truly are people out there who are listening to us a (laughs) lot more real and we uh, had some of you over
0: to our rig and so you actually got to see the motorhome that we are in which we're always happy to show off and we took some people through rigs and kind of gave comments which we just talked about as a good idea and don't take ours our comments as the the truth but it is the truth for us and everybody has their own idea about what they want and that's why the rv market is so big i mean we We talked to one couple who was uh, thinking of buying a and going not exactly full time, but a lot of the time going in their Winnebago Class B. They were looking at new bees. They were not new bees, but they were looking at new Class B. Motor homes.
1: I've been thinking about this topic a lot more because our camping experience this winter is somewhat different than we've had before. Uh, to me, if I am sightseeing and doing a lot of moving around, mm-hmm. um, being in a smaller rig, is it's certainly cheaper to run. Um, and I'm not spending a lot of time in it. But what I saw at the Super Show was that they are moving more and more toward a residential experience, which is certainly what we are having here in Titusville this month, because we're not doing a lot of touristic things we are just living like we live at home and that just a better climate and that makes the living space the washer dryer the what kind of a stove you have those issues become a lot more important because when i'm busy running around sightseeing i could and those i'll say facetiously go back to a tent um if that's what i had to do to see what i wanted to see and do what i needed to do that's
0: an excellent comment one of the first things you have to decide when you buy a rig is, are you going to live in it or are you going to live out of it? And we have to kind of do both because we go and sit for a couple of months. And especially if you go in the sit, winter. Especially in the winter. You know there's going to be bad weather and you don't want to be cooped up in a Class B in the winter because you just can't manage it. Now, we do have a link. <laughs> Somebody who uh, joined our Google Plus page. J-Dog. J-Dog. And J-Dog, I don't have
1: the... He says, um, I'm about to try something new. Staying put for an extended time living in my small RV. Living in an RV is not something new or novel. Lots of folks do it. Full-timers do it all the time. I've done a fair amount of traveling in RVs, and over the last few years, I've spent the equivalent of several months away from home living on the road in my RV. But it's been living on the road, which involves a lot of travel sightseeing and moving to a new which campsite. Which means he's been living out of his RV. Every few days. So this winter, he's somewhere <laughs> in Florida here with us, right. with his wife,
0: right <laughs> And put. He doesn't always travel with his wife.
1: And, and you will put up the link to his blog, which I would like well, to keep an eye on to see. Well, what else does he say? The only vehicle we'll have is the RV. There's no car for 10-plus weeks. My wife's nickname is Runaround Annie because of her constant bebopping around in her car to visit friends and shopping. We'll see how Runaround does being grounded with just a bike and occasional untethering of the RV. We bought bikes, so we're planning to use them, walking and public transit for much of our getting around. This will be a change for a couple of 60-year-olds used to driving to most most places and should be good for our exercise regime. And I want to add to what he has written here that it makes such a difference where you are. Because Uh in our Fort Pierce campground, we didn't hardly take the bikes out because as soon as you left the campground, the bike. The roads had no shoulders. Um, It felt very unsafe to be biking.
0: So, bikes are essential to bring along, but they can't be trusted to be. They're limited,
1: it's limited where you can use them safely. J Dog. Do you want me to read? Yes, sir. The RV has all the cooking essentials, stove and micro, but doesn't have an oven or a big cooking area. Meals will have to stay simple, and hopefully we can do some cooking outside. Yeah, that's something that's really hit me over the years is the area is as important as the utensils. Because if you don't have anywhere to put stuff while you're working on it or serve stuff when you're done... Uh, that really cramps your style. Um, I used to do a lot more one-pot meals right, for right. that reason.
0: And the the nice slide-out island that we have uh, for extra counter space is very nice to have.
1: I very much appreciate that. And then he writes, we could only bring about a week's worth of clothes. Yeah, that's true. Those closets are small. Oh, and a
0: bee? We'll is see, it is a bee, right? We'll
1: see how we do wearing the same set of clothes for weeks <laughs> on end. At least we will recognize each other. He's got a sense of humor. The only yes, toys I've brought are cameras, laptop, bike, and a mandolin. I can easily entertain myself taking pictures, shooting videos, writing, biking, and learning new songs, but I'm not sure what my wife brought. <laughs> the nonstop texting, listening to her iPod, playing Farmville, playing Candy Crush, and words with friends keeps her entertained at home, and these should still work while we are in Florida. Maybe. I would love to hear her side of this yes. story. <laughs> And then he says we need to remember to take some solo downtime. I love my wife, but sometimes I need some male bonding. So I think a lot of people need some away time as much as they love each other. So,
0: dear listener, you want to uh, read this blog J-Dawg, and then, the blog. And then uh, listen to us and you'll get the two sides of the RVing story. The small RV and then the large RV and we'll see which lifestyle is most suitable for you. And, you know, we don't make that, that judgment for anybody else.
1: Another kind of RV we saw at the Super Show that we haven't seen for 30 years is these retro RVs. Well, <laughs> well we haven't seen them since they were new. <laughs> that were painted in the kinds of colors that well, were popular well, and, when we and, were
0: newlyweds. And the very square sides. You know, and they were not only Winnebago motorhome types, but there were also... Uh, trailers that were retro looking and retro insides as well. I don't know.
1: I'm curious to see how popular they are. To me it felt faddish. Yes. And, and would look dated because it already looks dated. Very dated
0: and and I think the improvements that have we've seen in RVs are for the better and I wouldn't want to... I think they've been updated something on the inside but certainly they have a retro look to them. Anyway that was uh, an interesting trend that we saw at the show. Other things that we saw at the show, how
1: about the vendors? Well, we saw somebody, I don't know if these were for sale as they were an inducement to sign up to buy something. I forget. They were portable golf clubs. Portable. And they came in a knapsack-sized bag, and you had one club shaft. And then all the clubs clubs that you would have to play a regular set of golf, from the driver to the putter to everything in between, and all of the clubs screwed on and off this shaft. They had a fitting. So once the shaft was fitted to you, I think that was the deal. Um, The clubs were all the same. The heads were all the same. Well,
0: they all had a different length, a mini shaft, sticking off the club to make the, the... length of the club different
1: so you could customize the long shaft to your height and swing but then the clubs would all just fit on it um anyway uh we've been on cruises at times where one of the shore excursions was to to golf at a famous resort and inevitably by the time you had to rent the clubs there you were talking big buckaroos we've never done it but with this traveling pack uh you could take your clubs with you even in a Class B. If and you were J-Dog somebody. could do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this
0: would be a way for you to bring a complete set of clubs in a very small space, and they only weighed... Twenty pounds, yeah, as I recall, I could carry them around because you only had one shaft. On and my back, <laughs> I guess you walk up to the hole. You, you take off the driver, you put on the the fairway wood, and then you put on the putter. Well,
1: if you golf like I do, I really only use four clubs,
0: and so you have and you have the whole set of clubs on your back rather than on a cart or any place. But you could put them in. Oh a yeah, car. yeah. But you, but every time you need a different club, you have to attach it to the shaft. And those
1: were five hundred dollars a set.
0: Do I remember? No, no, no. no. Right? No, they were $900. A thousand bucks.
1: Yeah, we're not getting those anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) But they
0: were cool. Because the other thing we really liked was the Go Cycle.
1: Well, we both really liked it, but one of us is only thinking about it with some seriousness. Oh,
0: this was way cool. It was very nice. Fold-up electric bicycle fit for the 21st century, functioning as a normal pedal-powered bicycle bike the go cycle can switch to instant electric power at the touch of a button located on the handlebars and it has an app because so you can customize it for your pedaling strength its entire frame and wheels are injection molded in lightweight magnesium alloy which is very cool so that this bike does not look well, other than it has two wheels and a frame, it it doesn't look like your standard bike made out of tubing. Uh, it does look kind of like a toy bike in that it has a very high seat, but it's very ergonomically designed so that uh, it's very comfortable to ride. And it has an electric motor on both the front and the back wheels. And it folds up, which is also very cool. So you could bring it in your Class B also, because the wheels come off and the bike folds so that it fits in a very small space. The Go, Cy- the Go Cycle is produced in a much, at a much cheaper price than comparable carbon fiber bikes, according to the company. That's something that really is uh, worth looking at. And I almost bought one. But it cost $5,000. And the co pilot said no. <laughs> especially if i wanted to buy two
1: well we we when we ride bikes we're trying to get some exercise well this we bike allows need- you for all of that though but we it allows it for transport.
0: transportation too so if you are interested just in transportation it has the option of being a pedal bike and it has a, an enclosed chain so you're not going to get all crapped up and it has a function which will just take you up the hills and then it has a full electric function it goes 20 miles
1: in some ways, it reminded me of the bikes that you can use at a health club, where you kind of punch in the kind of routine that you so want. They don't go anywhere. Whether you want to do a lot of hill climbing and exert yourself, or whether you want the engine to do most of the work, to me this bike would be practical for an urban dweller who commutes to work by bicycle and
0: has to put it inside and when has he to, gets there. Know, because these wheels, it has the wheels pop up, pop on and off very quickly, and the whole thing just kind of collapses all of a sudden. Very cool. Uh, but other than that. The vendor area was not very exciting. They had a lot of ordinary stuff that I guess you'd expect, and a lot of, uh, I thought, a lot of resorts.
1: A lot of campgrounds were there. But, which turned out to be helpful. Well, we're going to go to one in Georgia that we encountered while we were at the show, so it was worth our and their while to be there. Yes, yes, so that was... uh, a very nice
0: thing to, to see.
1: So now we're camped in Titusville, as we said, at a sort of a campground that we have <coughs> never experienced before place. because it is so huge, 3,000 acres, I think they yes. said, and so varied in terms of the kinds of accommodation that you can have here.
0: This is the Great Outdoors in Titusville, Florida. Golf
1: and Nature Resort. Golf.
0: And that's way cool because at this moment we are at a campsite. Which is on the golf course on the fifteenth hole. Yes, although this resort is quite expensive, we are staying in one of the low rent low, rents, sites. low rental sites, and by rental we mean that it, exactly this site is owned by somebody, and the resort takes care of renting it out when those people are not in attendance. So the whole the whole campground is all owner. Sites
1: that are owned by somebody.
0: But they uh, have this massive rental program, so a lot of the people are come and go based on their uh, just rental needs.
1: So as an owner of a site here, you can choose to rent it out, or you can take it off the market and just keep it for yourself. That's up to you. And all the rental sites are in a pool, so they share the proceeds whether your individual <laughs> site is rented or not. And many of the sites have much more to them than ours, which has a shed, which we can't get into. It's locked. And a picnic table and but a, we have a pad. Con- very pad. Ni- but it's a very nice site. It's, it's large and yeah, it's... they're a little more
0: spacious And than- long and a very nice pad and excellent connections in terms of the utilities. But... Most of the sites have some sort of
1: buildings on them
0: in addition to
1: the pad. And a lot of campgrounds, especially in Florida and Arizona, have buildings on them where people buy some sort of a mobile home or yeah. double-wide people who may be used to camp or store their camper in a parking lot nearby. But this place is a lot more elaborate in that most of the homes have huge RV garages attached to them. Um, or breezeways, maybe is a better way to describe some of them. And some of the homes made me laugh because they have three garages. They have (laughs) a garage for the motorhome, a garage for the car, and a garage for the golf cart. And we've been in many campgrounds where people tool around in golf carts, in my mind, it wasn't necessary. Um, our bikes were more than sufficient. But in our campsite here, we are um, almost three miles from the entrance, and we are nowhere near the end. Three
0: miles from the entrance. We are
1: nowhere near the end of the campground. So if you wanted to uh, lug some groceries or carry something more than a knapsack on your bike, you would need a golf cart. And there are neighborhoods, and
0: some of the neighborhoods are kind of a Spartan sort of RV sites with just the cement pads. And then you move up to the ones that have the open air garage and a Florida room. And then you move to other ones that have enclosed garages for the RV. Now these are, you know, 15 foot high garages, That are you know the full
1: for the biggest uh, RV or the biggest RV,
0: and you see every type of motorhome and fifth wheel here uh, parked on these lots, and it is mostly RVs. I'm I'm a little surprised at that. A lot of the ownership campgrounds that we go to have a lot of mobile homes um you know the travel trailers that don't move but most of these uh, either the owner has an rv that's parked in their garage or they are uh living in it so sometimes these are nice because you can get ones that as she mentioned that have uh you know, three bedrooms and four baths and a pool out and back and an RV parking place, which you'd live in the house and you would keep the RV for travel. And then there are other ones where people are living in the RV and you have a little bit of extra space. You have a kitchen or you have a bathroom or you have a Florida room for enjoying the outdoors. And then the RV is there. Uh, you may sleep in it. And then there are other ones that, uh, like we are, where the RV is the only thing. And, of course, ours, we're renting ours, so... And this place is expensive. But it is a full-service campground.
1: I've seen residents here from as far away as Newfoundland and Alaska. So it doesn't have the mostly East Coast feeling that some of the Florida campgrounds do. Uh, And something you can never tell unless you're really at a campground for a while is that the people seem friendly to folks yes. like us yes. that are passing through. Um, yes. When you go to campgrounds that right. a lot of people live at, it's understandable. They make friends with the people that they see all the time, and they don't need more friends, and they're not very inclusive. Boy, we haven't gotten that feeling here. No, not at all. For as big as it is, it has many activities, but not that many activities uh-huh. is what I would say.
0: It's It's huge, though, and it has two restaurants... It has, uh, of course, a post office. It has an RV sales place
1: and a repair and place. A repair Are you Are thinking place. about getting an installation done yes, here?
0: Yes, and you know the uh, all the, the an auditorium and pools and athletic places and an eighteen-hole golf course
1: where you can play, which is at a reasonable price. At a
0: reasonable price, which is also kind of a shocker. This place
1: is very popular and it is very large. And it is totally full. We struggled to be able to stay here for the entire month of February and have to move on the first to a site off the golf course. So, so we
0: are moving because our site is taken.
1: Because somebody else has rented it before us. And the clerk who checked us in said that it usually books up by June for the following winter. So If you that, want to get
0: on the same site or you have a specific you site that you want to get
1: a lot of people like being here, so you can buy a site
0: here, and they have a real estate facility which uh, will be glad to sell you sites, although I don't think there are many new sites they they they're pretty they're built just out. reselling mm-hmm. sites, and the sites run from about um thirty five forty thousand up to Almost a million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's quite a range.
1: Well, and the whole campground is gated, but the million-dollar area <laughs> is gated within the gates. So we had to sneak in there on our bikes on the nature trail. And the homes were very nice, beautifully landscaped, but really not million-dollar. Oh, I don't know. Four hundred. I don't know. It depends
0: 000? on the community. Yeah. Uh, you know, forty thousand dollars for one of these uh, bare bones type of campgrounds campsites is. Probably reasonable if you leave your RV here and to use it a lot. I don't know. That's something you'd have to decide. And the monthly rent is about uh, would be about two hundred dollars a month plus utilities. And one of the really cool things about this is is that we are able, for the first time ever, oh, yes. to get wired internet.
1: Part of our residential experience. Part of our
0: residential experience. Now, this is something that's very special for us. As you know, dear listener, we are just addicted to the Internet, and we... <laughs> are always working on how to get internet and kind of bummed when it's slow and we have to use our satellite dish but here binge watching we've been binge watching right we get bright house and we've never really dealt with bright house before i think they have a very nice approach you go down to the bright house office you pick up a cable modem And we didn't want TV, which kind of surprised them, uh, because we have satellite. So we don't need TV. But we picked up the cable modem, and we're paying $4 a month for the modem and $35 a month for service, 15 megabit service. So that's very reasonable, half the price it is at home. And I brought it back here, plugged it in, and we now have wired internet of course, wired meaning that it comes into the motorhome wired, but then we have our Wi-Fi connections to actually hook up our laptops to the wi- to the internet, so that it this has worked out perfect and very reasonably priced, and I'm very impressed with Bright House. They had. Uh, several plans, up to a hundred and fifty megabit service, which is If impressive. you're working on the road at home at Comcast, I have fifty megabit service for about sixty-five dollars a month, and I think that's fairly expensive. But here, we just bought the fifteen megabit because <laughs> I didn't think we needed a super high speed. But
1: well, we don't work on the road, and after having been in campgrounds and using their. Oh. Inadequate Wi-Fi. We feel like we're in hog heaven.
0: So we were very happy when we found out that we could stay an extra week here. because uh,
1: A week more binge watching. <laughs>
0: And it's cool because I think that what's going to happen, or at least I hope this is going to happen, when we move on February 1st to our second campsite here in the resort, I believe we will just be able to pick up our cable box and take it with us and plug it into the new campsite and everything will work just as it does now. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So the Wi-Fi is working good. via the cable connection, and that is a definite plus. And I see this as more and more feasible as time goes along, that more and more campsites are just going to offer you this wired Internet. Because surprisingly enough, the resort, maybe because it's so large, does not really have Wi-Fi.
1: You had to go to the check-in building. Right.
0: Um, And I guess they leave that up to each individual owner of the campsite to take care of their Internet, and they are doing that through Bright House. So uh, Bright House is apparently a Florida company. I don't know. we have never run into them. But I'm happy with, happy with them as compared to Comcast.
1: As we've said many times, we really appreciate your kind comments yes. and your emails. And we got an email from somebody that kind of nicked my heart a bit because they were so apologetic about asking a few beginners questions. And we certainly welcome all different kinds of questions, yes, including the highly technical ones that only Ken can answer. And you are always smart <laughs> but, to email him rather than me. But beginners have questions that are equally valid.
0: Right. And we don't often think to answer them because they're not questions we take in it our for mind. Granted. Yes, yeah. we do. So we're happy to answer these questions.
1: So the first question that they asked was I know the dangers of not being restrained with seat belts and airbags, but on a long trip, do you ever use any of the living space while you are traveling? <laughs> (laughs) It's very tempting to get a bite to eat or make fresh coffee while you're traveling. My wife and I behave sanely and safely, but don't want to trade quality of life for quantity in years. I think I can answer this question because poor Ken is always um, (laughs) built it in in driving us down the road. Uh, Certainly you can get up and move around safely. I find when I'm getting ready to prepare lunch while we're driving on a long driving day that it's smarter to prepare the lunch while he is still on the expressway (laughs) driving smoothly and to be finished at the time that he pulls off when I suddenly start getting hurled from side to side.
0: But, but, I mean, that's the cool part of about the whole process is though you can start cooking before we arrive at our destination or our our lunch stop. It's a very good use of time. Well, and I, I do want to point out that many people, including us, look at the at the livability of your motorhome or RV when the slides are in.
1: And certainly, we had some problems with our fifth wheel in that regard. Of course, when you have a trailer, you can't be cooking while you're driving because you're not in it. You're right. in the truck but on our fifth wheel we didn't have access to our refrigerator when the slides were in and you wouldn't normally pull the slides out at a rest area for lunch so I had to prepare what we were going to eat before we left for the day right. which was less convenient. Than and that's the one of the enough. big things
0: about having a motorhome that is very much of a convenience is, is that your passengers have the capability to get up and wander around. You can have your kids watching TV you can get at the refrigerator and the bathroom and that's one of the things you want to make sure when you buy a motorhome is is that the refrigerator is accessible and the bathroom is accessible while the slides are in and you're driving down the road because you're going to want to do this and everybody does i don't think there's any law about that either it's my understanding that backseat passengers do not have to be belted Belted in in. Uh although most rvs have seat belts In a variety of locations. the couches
1: and stuff in the back. Right.
0: I wouldn't consider that overly important. So
1: unless you're really frail or unstable on your legs, um, it's fine. Second question, do you think it's safe to stay on board for, for an abbreviated stopover in an interstate rest area for five or six hours? Five or six hours, no problem. Well, like if you were tired and you wanted to take a nap. no problem. um, No problem. Any any interstate does that. Occasionally you read stories about somebody getting mugged or something, but I think the media in our country overdoes it in terms of the scary stories that it tells you and makes you afraid to travel anywhere. And certainly the rest areas allow it. And if you happen to be on the Ohio Turnpike, they even have some campgrounds at some of the rest areas. Uh, Generally, you're not allowed to stay overnight. Um, no, I wouldn't say that. It depends the, on the state. Check those states but but for five, five or six, or six hours. hours is
0: not, and you'll see truckers doing this all the time. They're taking a nap in their rig. The time frame you're talking about in this question is no problem at all. It's the overnight stay that we would question. Um, we would rarely stay in a in a rest area overnight. But that's not because I don't know. Some don't post do it. that they don't allow it. Yeah, it depends. Some, yeah it, it depends on the state.
1: We would be more likely to stay at a truck stop overnight if we had to do that sort of thing.
0: Question number three is, do you know of if any states require you to stop in way stations) <laughs> No, you don't. Never have to stop at a weigh station, and that's because you're not a commercial vehicle and you don't weigh enough. I mean, our motorhome weighs thirty-seven thousand pounds, but a truck in our size would weigh much. Would weigh double that. The bottom line is, is that you never have to stop at a weigh station. Although sometimes you might like to, because you'd like to know how much you weigh. I don't know what the. I've often wondered if I. What, what happened
1: we, if you did? Well, if
0: I did, I would just, just like to know how much we weigh. Although I did have us uh, recently weighed, and you know, all four corners and that sort of stuff. That's something that. You you should do as an RVer, but you certainly don't have to do it at uh, along the at highway. At the official
1: state station. So
0: it's really nice to kind of zip by those places where the trucks are all lined up and waiting to be weighed.
1: So, Bill, we thank you for your questions. They were not dumb questions. They were newbie questions and well worth asking.
0: Yes, indeed. Who's going full-time? The majority of RV owners and full-time travelers are still old older baby boomers but nomads aged 35 to 54 are the fastest growing segment of rvers Hmm. many of them are buying uh, rvs for family vacations but increasingly a large segment of couples singles and families are going full-time rving long before their working days are over and why is that because you can work on the road And it's an exciting lifestyle. The upside of full-time RVing when you're young. Cost of living can be lower than the sticks and bricks house. You'll build a strong relationship with your family, kids, and partner. Or killing Oops, that could be. So, j Dog, we'll have to hear how your story goes. It's easy to get outdoors and seeing different places for a fraction of the cost. And we definitely agree with that one. You're more likely to participate in activities that you might not attempt when you are older. Yeah. Really? Like bungee jumping and... Yeah, Yeah, but you can do that. You don't have to RV to do that. But you're more likely to
1: do it when you're young.
0: Nomads work independently from the most beautiful spots in the world. Well, of course, the only better thing than than those things is the fact that you don't have to work while you're at those beautiful spots like we are. When you're a geezer. Yes, indeed. The downside of full-time RVing when you're young, learning to live in tight spaces with loved ones, and I can see that, losing out on financial benefits of climbing the corporate ladder. I suppose if you're an independent contractor, that's a problem. Unrelated and inconsistent income streams sometimes mean working harder than you're used to. Internet connectivity can be slow and expensive. Well, we just finished talking about that. Yes, indeed. Kids may not enjoy the constant change such as, as much as parents. Yeah, that could be a problem. Anyway, if you'd like to read this article, please go to our web notes page for this episode, and we will provide you with a link.
1: Our final link um is uh, the results of a poll that was given to people about their favorite RV destination in our country, and I would certainly concur with the choice that the voters made, which is southern Utah. Oh, just Utah. Just Utah, okay. I think southern Utah. Well, yes, but... Because it has five national parks.
0: Seven national monuments. Two national recreation areas. One historic national historic site.
1: And 43 state parks.
0: And over 23 million acres of public lands. Utah doesn't get the kind of the, does not have the buzz of Arizona or Colorado or maybe even Montana with Yellowstone, but Utah has a a wide range of very interesting national state and tourist stops (laughs) we have. And you can even spend the winter there down in St. George. It's pretty nice uh, all year round. Or at least in the winter so that's it's a very nice state to be in and has lakes and has scenic spots and national parks and so we can pretty much concur, concur with that yeah yeah because that's Although, something
1: people always ask us
0: yes where would you go yeah what, what, where's your favorite Utah is one you want to go back to a time and time again as you travel the United States and maybe next year when we'll be heading out west again
1: we'll spend some quality time there
0: and we will be back in Tucson. And we're looking ahead to the future. So it sounds good.
1: So, dear listeners, that's all for the month of February. We've really enjoyed talking about the Super Show and our Florida experiences with you. And we are so happy that we will be able to upload this podcast quickly <laughs> and easily with a wonderful lightning internet connection. speed. And will you be able to do the next one before Absolutely. we leave at the end of February? Absolutely.
0: And next month, we will be talking about all the exciting things that go on in Titusville, Florida including space launches, including picnics, including all sorts of... I need to go to the beach. Beach experiences, the Canaverals National Seashore. <laughs> if you want to know anything about the Atlantic coast of Florida, you'll have to listen to the next podcast because it will all be there. Really, we're going to do it all. Yep, you betcha. Okay, dear listeners, we will see you at a camp. Well, hopefully, in this campground next month. If you're in Titusville, stop in to the Great Outdoors RV and re- Golf, Golf and Resort. Nature
1: Resort. Okay.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next month.
1: Bye for now.